Hey, welcome everybody to podcast number 52 presented by Five Pin Universe. I'm your host, Carrie Kreitz. We have the usuals are back, both Wiseman twins, Dexter and Tim, Adam Weber, and our special guest for number 52, 52 weeks, a whole year of podcasts, Greg Gigliak. Awesome. The master, the legend. He has uh, 39 appearances at Nationals and walks away with nine golds. Pretty extraordinary. Um, as everybody probably knows, Greg is one of the few players that holds an average above 200 with both hands. Throws 215 average <laughs> left-handed, Greg, I do believe you were saying? Yes, it is. Uh, unreal. I don't think anybody has anything compared to that. Um, pretty cool. Probably could 10 pin too. <laughs> no, no, 160. <laughs> <laughs> Have you tried with your left hand though? Yeah. <laughs> I honestly believe that anyone that's been bowling for any length of time would be able to bowl left-handed because we know so much about the game and what it's supposed to feel like. We would pick it up a lot faster than someone just taking up the game for the first time. So I think anyone that with any really good knowledge of the game and semi-coordinated would have, would be able to do that as well. So, Greg, you know most bowlers were not really coordinated to begin with, so yep. uh, <laughs> we're not all uh, Spartan racers and I, athletes. I think you got to be pretty coordinated to bowl at the level you guys all bowl at. <laughs> Absolutely. Or is it all mind? Is it you guys just that strong in the mind? God, no. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason Tim drinks. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's clearly not our bodies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's got to be the mind. There you go. Uh, so, yeah. So, we'll uh, pick up with our first topic. Uh, presented by the smartest man on the podcast. Right, Tim? <laughs> well, as of last week, yes, I do agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess we can start off with uh, the big uh, elephant in the room, coronavirus. Uh, some of you guys have noticed, uh, as of before we got on podcast, uh, the NBA has suspended operations for now uh, after Rudy Gobert got uh, diagnosed with it. Now, I guess the question is to you guys. Uh, I know I've had a couple people already message me, or is, the, uh, is the Open going on, Provincials? Is the C5 you challenge or the you know your Championship Bowl Canada uh, Nationals are going on? What, what, what's your guys' thoughts? Um, I'll speak personally. I know, I know this is something that you know, everybody's all worried about. Uh, obviously, it, it's a kind of a pandemic, and you know, I don't blame people worried about, especially their children's and whatnot. Um, but I, I feel like the government should come down and tell us whether or not we should be able to host something. Um, obviously, you see some changes where I think stadiums are going less people in it, uh, as we talked beforehand, or less people in a room. 250, I think, or a thousand people to cut down to some places. Uh, I don't think our bowling championships have 250 people in there, to be honest with you, especially only 110 people participating in the open provincials. Uh, I don't see this being a problem just yet. I think we keep going as it is. Um, <laughs> but I think social media does have mass hysteria to it. And you look at it, toilet paper, it's going right through the roof. Um, something so silly, it doesn't even help you guys out, but um, I guess what what is your thoughts? What would if you were in somebody's shoes who had power to to have to suspend something? What would you guys do? Uh, I mean, I, I agree. I I think at this point, I mean, the government and and the bodies obviously have to be aware and uh, you know ha have preventative measures in place in case something does happen. Um, but a as of right now, I, I think people just need to be cautious and and keep moving forward. I mean, in Alberta, we have we have seven cases. In Alberta, which is out of how many four four million people in Alberta, um, it, it's it's super rare at the moment. Um, we are definitely not a hotbed for one of the uh, for, for the virus at the moment. Um, and exactly right, we had lots of questions today about uh, our YBC Nationals and whether it's going to be going. And um, I mean, obviously, that's it's a little bit early to tell. That's two months away, and and this pandemic could be done by then, or it could be blown up by then um but uh i mean where uh, our our seniors are going to be in paradise and 
you know, you have uh, eight teams of girls and eight teams of boys and the coach for each. So you're looking at a total of 48 competitors in the building and then a parent for each one of the kids. So, I mean, you're going to have a hundred people in that building. Um, it, it's not like one of the concerts or something where you're going to have 20,000 people or, you know, Coachella where you're going to have a hundred thousand people. I, I don't see a need to uh, prevent these events from happening yet. Um, but definitely if you're sick, you know, do your due diligence and, um, if you think there's a chance that you might have it, go and get the test kit and, you know, get tested. But until then, I, I don't think it, there's a point in Canada yet to start panicking. Yeah, I, I think overall, go ahead. Sorry. yeah, I, th I think overall is like, the, the, I guess, tournament organizers, uh, it is a discussion that you will end up having uh, or, or at least should have because uh, there may be you know the the need to be proactive and and possibly either you know postpone or or cancel events but it, I, I agree with you guys I, I still think it's way too early especially in this particular province but uh for for a national event where now all of a sudden now you have a lot of travel from all over the country that might be a little bit different uh, i i know a lot of the uh the flights at westjet are coming in you know pretty much bare after you know speaking with a you know family member here so um that there's definitely widespread panic that uh as you'd almost expect with, with media um but i i think as as organizations of these uh, uh tournaments I, I don't think you can wait for the government just to say okay shut it down i, I don't think it's going to come through those channels so uh, I think, you know, they, it's a case-by-case -case basis and uh, just kind of, you know, do the, the right thing. Yeah, I think in, into that same idea is that basically we just need to be proactive while we're there, you know, making sure that we're not, um, if someone is sick or, you know, we're keeping our hands, same as we do with the flu or anything else, washing your hands lots, you know, if it means that we're not slapping hands and doing that, anything that we can do to prevent, you know, any spread, if there is any spread, we treat it basically the same as we do right now with the, with, uh, with the flu and that type of thing. At flu season, you just have to, you got to be proactive yourself. And I mean, God forbid, if someone really felt bad, I sure hope they don't go to a national championship and mm -hmm. take the chance of spreading it to somebody else that they're going to pull themselves out or that they're just going to, you know, say, Hey, this doesn't make sense to do this. So you know. I guess I'll expand on, on it a little bit. So what could the bowling center that's hosting these nationals or the multiple bowling centers that are hold, holding these nationals or even provincial events, do you think it's necessary? Cause we know it doesn't happen um, that they go ahead and they clean the house balls. They, do their due diligence to make sure their surface areas are clean and taken care of. Because um, just to go along that fact, down in Seattle, there's school closures, but they're only closing for 24 to 48 hours so they can get cleaned, right? Properly cleaned. Cleaning services come in, they disinfect everything, and then the school opens back up and the kids come back in. Um, so it's not like um, even communities aren't shutting down for mm -hmm. quarantine periods, right? So to cancel a national or a provincial event, I don't think is a necessary step. I think we just got to be, like you said, proactive and be prepared, clean, disinfect, and make sure the kids are aware or even the adults are aware that maybe we suspend, I, I hate to say it, high-fiving and stuff like that just for this time period. <clears throat> I, I think we're all, and for the adult portion, I think we're all adults. I think we have to understand uh, if you don't feel like maybe the, the right way, you know, if you don't feel comfortable with things, there's maybe if it's still going on, maybe just find somebody else to go with you. Unfortunately, I think, um, I know our special Olympics, they, they, they would did not allow high fives last night. They didn't allow anything like that. And I, I, I get that, <clears throat> but I, I think at the open, I, I don't know. I think if you're being careful and you follow, you know, wash your hands and do all that kind of stuff, I think. We're all adults. We can decide on how that wants to go, but uh, just it's just kind of crazy how things kind of just go absolutely chaotic on on this stuff. And uh, I don't know. I, I I'm still 
I know Carrie made a post earlier on Facebook about this, and I, you know I feel sort of the same way. Um, but you still have to be careful on things. I think we have to be, be aware of it. Uh, I've read a lot of stuff now, whether it's completely factual or not, because some places, you know, the media does have some stuff, but uh, government agencies and stuff like that, and you know, like the the success rates are there. It's not not overly bad. The common cold does the same kind of thing, maybe a little with a little bit more severity to it. Um, but we said, well, just pay attention, right? I don't think it's necessarily cancel anything just yet. You know, I don't think that's uh, that's the way to go. The sky isn't falling. So, <laughs> my, my my worry on like the the tournament side of it though is you, you're yeah. going to have you know for first time you know national representatives um, or you know people who maybe it's you know maybe the last kick of the Canada Nationals uh, where it's almost no different than kind of you know hiding or, or battling through an injury. Uh, and, and still making that trip, right? Because they may not get that other chance. So uh, that that would be my, my biggest worry that all of a sudden now you've got to, you know, somebody coming in that maybe they're not showing full symptoms, uh, but, you know, they might be suspecting and uh, there, there might be, you know, people that get there that are completely unsuspecting, but they already have it, right? Well, so it's, yeah, there's like a, what, a three or four day incubating period four, or something yeah. like that where you have no symptoms. Um, I, I'm almost less worried about the Open as I would be for Masters, per se. Um, a, Masters has way more people, and B, Masters has the seniors the seniors division, and that's really the ones that really get affected. And I mean, you know, you know, a lot of those seniors are in really great health, and then a lot, some of those seniors are not. I mean, we, we've had seniors there, um, you know, wheeling their oxygen tanks up to the line and throwing it and coming back and um, it's definitely those people that I would be worried about for sure. But you're, you're right with that incubation period. I mean, we could have our provincials and nobody, nobody, well, somebody may have it and nobody may know. And I think that that's why, you know, all these organizations are taking that proactive step, just the, the just in case, right. The, um, I don't know what the, what it would be kind of the, the, the social, um, uh, I don't know know exactly what what it would be, but you know, t- taking that that proactive step and uh, you know ma- making sure that they're saving any potential face because uh, all of a sudden they don't take that step and now somebody gets you know the you know God forbid you know dies you know at a stadium or something like that and uh, it's just not worth the, the the PR nightmare or anything as well. So um, yeah, they're just showing their due diligence. They're showing that they're correct. Doing what they're yeah. Doing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I totally agree, but I, I also still think at this point, I mean, we, we basically have one person in every million people that has it in Canada. Uh, it, the risk level is really low still at this point. Um, but again, it may not be in two months. Yeah, like, I guess kind of the projection is six to nine months where this hits its maximum infection, right? So it... it, it Unfortunately, I don't think postponing stuff right now is going to stop what's going to happen in six to nine months. It, it might slow it slow it down for a, a little bit for those select people that are going to that event, but it ain't, it's not going to slow unless you suspended all sporting events, all gatherings, all that stuff. That's the only way you're going to really prevent a situation like this. So for us with a hundred player field to say, you know what, we're going to suspend it but the Oilers are holding a $35,000 or 35,000 attendance. Did we really right. do anything? I, I, there's no, I mean, so, we into, the, into the superstore and the, there's, you know, 300 people there at a time. Yeah. I, right. I, are they going to stop went, selling groceries? I, I went to the hockey game and we always say you got to wash your hands. I think 75% of those guys were having a beer and they couldn't wash their hands after they were leaving. So, I'm saying, like, as much as you want to prevent it in those things, it's just, it's going to be what it is, no. unfortunately. Yeah. I, I think that the associations and the bowling centers just need to do their due diligence, be a little bit proactive, make sure their cleanliness is up, and yeah. I think the event should go on as is. I don't, I don't see what they're going to do is going to stop anything. So, but yeah. That's the positions those associations have, and those bowling centers have to make the call for themselves too, right? So yeah. So what, what do you think about Red Deer? Is Red Deer going to be a go, Carrie? One hundred percent. Yeah, there we go. That a boy. 
That a boy. You know what? We have a chance to win when only 50 in their field, right? So let's. <laughs> <laughs> just Tim, we'll just take all the house balls off the rack, and then everybody just has to have their own bowling balls there. Uh, but I love the house balls. That is tough luck. I don't want. To, I don't want you to catch the coronavirus. <laughs> I'll get two. I'll buy two off of Shelby and engrave them. There you go. Can can we weigh them? <laughs> yeah. You can do whatever you want. With them. Can can we weigh weigh house balls, Tim? Do what you want. Right. <laughs> uh, okay, so we'll move on to the next topic. So I'm not sure if you guys are aware, but the World Series of Bowling is going on right now in Vegas for 10-pin bowling. So this event was created roughly 10 years ago to help minimize um, traveling expenses for professional bowlers. So they create an event where there's five tournaments essentially in the same building. They change oil patterns to create the different types of tournaments like the scorpion the chameleon and stuff like that and then they do so you play all those tournaments and then you tally up all your pinfall for those tournaments and then it goes towards the world championship they call it and then they do a final event of that week for the world championship do you think something like that could work in let's say an edmonton scene you do the Edmonton Bowling Series for a week. You do a tournament in Sherwood Bowl, you do a tournament at Bronx, you do a tournament at St. Albert, and then you add up all your pinfall at those tournaments, and then you do your top 48 cut and do a tournament at Bonnie Doon. Do you think something like that would be viable? It would cut down on traveling expenses. Bowlers from across Canada only have to go to one place for one week. They don't have to make five trips for the tour or a system like that do you um then you move it around yeah like you do it in edmonton one year the next year you do it in winnipeg next year you do it in the toronto oshawa area oh. i think it's definitely possible you would you would have to save up a boatload of money for like for that week I mean that that's that's still not a cheap week, especially if you're doing like the two hundred dollar entries. Airbnb um, is a thing, right? Yeah, no, but still, I mean, you you could be putting out you know sixteen hundred dollars in entries in a week, but you could. It depends how it's structured, right? But but if you're saving on the travel costs, then then that that helps balance it out. But uh, yeah, I could definitely see that being a thing, for sure. I don't know if you would get one hundred and fifty to two hundred people. Um, from across the country to do that for a full week at an oh, entry for sure. at a, a price point for that but uh, it'd be fun. You can almost do something similar like you know the World Series of Poker as well where you just have all these different events you don't necessarily have to play them all right but uh, at the end of the <laughs> year you will have you know a player of the year type type thing at those events and I, I, I like the concept you know you kind of pick and choose what, what you would like uh, to, to actually play uh, I don't think a week would be enough time to, to, to run all the different events and you know still have you know the, the, the players out there fresh because you still want guys fresh uh, for, for all the events right so you're gonna have to stagger some of them I think but uh, you know and, and with like a main event or, or something like that have a have a high rollers championship and yeah I, I can see something working. Well, so I guess what what do you mean by fresh? So I'll I'll just use the the World Series of Bowling as a reference point. So these bowlers they bowl ten games each day, and then they bowl. So if they make the cut, so let's say it starts on a Monday, they bowl ten games. They take the top sixteen players, make a cut there. They bowl the next day, another ten games. They make a cut there. They bowl the very next day, another ten games. You make a 16 cut there as well. And then the top 40 players total pinfall after those three qualifying shifts make a 40 cut for the world championship. And then they do another 10 games for that cut, cut that down to 16 as well. And then they have the very next day, they have the first patterns, um, 15 game match play. And then the next day they do another 15 game match play. Next day they do another 15 game match play. Same thing. So these bowlers, some of them have made all the cuts. They're going to be playing 140 games in a week. 
So by fresh, what do you mean? Like <laughs> that, that, that's exactly what I mean. But those guys are also professionals that are playing every week uh, on another tour, and this is literally their job, right? So we we don't have that opportunity. So we're we're nowhere near as fresh near the end of something something like that. Yeah, no no problem with the you know a couple eight game sets or fifteen game you know tournaments or something mm-hmm. in a in a day. But if, if you don't have that that day break. Right, you're not going to be fresh if you're going to have to go do it again the next day, and then the next day, and the next day. Right? I think if there's ten thousand up for it, you will be. Greg would be. <laughs> I, I think you're, you're right, Adam. At at this point in time, the way we're we're trained or the way we're running tournaments, yeah, we wouldn't be fresh. But if you knew this event was coming up, would you not be prepared to be able to play all those cuts? I think you would. I, yeah, I think right, ten, right format. Yeah, and I, I think if you're only playing ten games a day, like you know, there's lots of times where we'll play an eight game shift and then not qualify. We'll play another eight game shift. Um, I think if you go in knowing that you're playing ten games in a day, ten games in a day doesn't feel all that bad anymore. You know, especially if we have the space to spread it out a little. Yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah, and it's all in and unfortunately for five pin, it's not like you can change the oil pattern, so you can't always do it in the same building because it would be essentially if those players are playing well they would always be playing well at the same center so you'd have to do it to different centers so your approaches would change so you, you may run into people with sore hips because they're at a heavy center one day and then they're at a slick center the next day but i think that would add a lot a lot to an event like that knowing we're, we're going to go play Sherwood bowl this day then we're going to go play bronx we're going to go play a tough center the next day and then you have the big one at bonnie dune the the pie house and you get to see total pinfall keep rolling i think it would be kind of neat to to see the the climbs that people will make mm-hmm. right oh so so question for you though when, when you watch these i mean oil pattern obviously it's a different i think 10 pin 5 pin you can see it's a little bit different game where oil patterns are there are different days and different conditions mm-hmm. um Five pin, you just not really much of an oil pattern difference unless it was something that was bone dry. And the big thing is, is probably the approaches. Yeah. Um, the difference. Or, now, or the pin for like you guys have black bases right. at, at 18 inches. Bonnie Dune has black bases at 17 inches. St. Albert has yeah. whatever, right? Like there's differences well, there. Some black yeah. bases, some white bases <laughs> but, uh, at 17 inches. But, yeah. but so, but, but my reason is like, I, I think. Ten pinners can, uh, maybe I'm throwing the five pinners out out to lunch, but ten pinners. There's certain players that play better in certain patterns, mm-hmm. and I guess you can see the same kind of argument maybe for five pin, but the variance is not as much there as it is in ten pin, in my personal opinion. I don't know. We, I think we so. don't know. We uh, oh, I think so. I think, I I I still think I think you four on the podcast could play any house out there. Um, where certain people like you saw, like I, I shared Larson throwing gutter balls, four gutter balls in one game because he has to play a three board, right? Or two board. Thomas Larson, uh, yeah, because they're throwing it yeah. up to the two board. Yep. Right. And and I think, uh, I don't think we have that. Um, I was actually kind of joking with dad. Dad threw a gutter ball on Sunday. And I was like, the difference between you and when Larson dad was you're playing down the middle, he was playing down the. <laughs> <laughs> <Right? laughs> but, but besides that, I, I just think like, uh, I think five pinners, if you play five days straight, I think if you're playing hot for those five days, I think you'll be in all of them. Ten pinners, I think a little bit. Uh, yeah, you'll probably be there hot, but I think oil pattern makes a big difference in condition more in ten pin and five pin. 100%. I, I agree with yeah. you there, Tim. But I think yeah. moving from house to house, some players play really well at Bonnie Dune. Do they play so well at St. Albert? But but you're you're good players like the players who who are members on tour I think could play on any one of those houses as well. Yeah, that's that's me personally. Yeah, I mean not, some not of them if you give three tries will make it every time. But I'm I'm saying this is one go at yeah, every house. Yeah. I think yeah. you'll yeah. see a lot more discrepancy than I think you're looking at. But you, I, you could I, be I'm, completely right too. You're right, but I, I'm just looking at what I've looked in the past maybe with Edmonton Opens and playing the different centers here. Um, and who plays well in what center? Adam Dexon probably attests a little bit. Usually the same characters and with a couple difference. I think Bonnie just skews it for a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I think 
changes well, things well, just, up there. Just use your open as a reference this year. You had players that were up there for the first day, and you had players that fell out, and you had players that were out. They climbed their way in. So you yeah. already have discrepancy just in nine slots. Could you imagine that with 100 players and 16 slots to play for? I think you would see yeah. a lot of bouncing around. I really do. Yeah, I, I, I still think the usual characters would still be up there. Well, the best I players think... should be there. <laughs> yeah. But... And not only that, it's, I mean, from day to day, different players are going to play better on certain days than others. You know, you, you, you go along for so long, and then all of a sudden you find your rhythm, and you're good for, you know, six, eight games type thing. You know, regardless of what house you're at, if you're throwing well, if you're executing, you can pretty much score anywhere. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know many people that throw the same ball all the time, every time. So if they're working with what they've got on that certain day and they're when they're playing well and executing well, they're going to score it regardless of what center. And that's Absolutely. why the same players make the cut so often is because they can execute on any given surface. Sure. Sure. Amen. Yeah, that's what we're trying to work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll find that. I would uh, limit the field too. I don't know how many people could play where we're at with our game. How many people could play that many days in a row and be, you know, by the end? I mean, even if you look at by the time you get done Calgary. You know, by the time you play eight in the morning and fifteen at night, I mean it's that's a grind. Yeah, that's a full day. You, yeah, yeah. And then you do that two days in a row type thing, or three days out of four or something. Yeah, like and that. I think that's why at the World Series of Bowling, it's like an only a ten game qualifier, right? At their normal <laughs> tournaments, it's twenty one games, right? They, yeah. it's quite a bit bigger qualifying. So I think that's why they limit the days to a certain amount of games, so you don't get that rollover day to day stuff going on yeah um because we all know we've all been there you've played up to 30 36 games in a day to win a tournament if by the end of it you're you're done but that that's essentially four days out on the pba tour right yeah so and like i said they're professional athletes and they've been they've been throwing a you know 100 200 balls a day for how many oh yeah for most of their lives, right? Yeah. Yeah. True enough. That was just a thought. Um, Because obviously everybody talks about travel expenses, accommodations, how everything's so expensive to go anywhere. And an entry shift into a tournament is, for most people, is only only $200 now. It's quite the difference than it was 20 years ago. $200 really isn't, that's some people's cell phone bills for a month. Yeah. So for you to say, $200 $200 isn't that much. So if you saved up for a full year to get ready for this week long or week and a half long event, it's going to cost me $1,200 worth of entry fees. They play this tournament. I spread an Airbnb between six friends. It's probably cheaper to do something like that than it is to tour the country on a, an, a physical tour. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. We're pretty fortunate where we're at because they're driving close distance, for us, yeah. so our travel expenses are pretty pretty minimal compared to people that are willing to make that trip yeah. all the way up yeah yeah it just kind of hit me i thought it'd be kind of neat um obviously the tour is doing really well it's not like we would ha- have to look at doing a week-long event instead of the tour but it might be something that in the future it might be an event added to the tour that this is the tour championships there's three titles to be held this week and the tour finals are this week and you can get in by playing throughout this three tournament qualifier or something like that yeah might be something yeah when you look at the the participation in regina this year i mean they could almost start on a wednesday and just to accommodate all of the the interest that they've got right and i mean you've already you're stretching that out to you know, five days already the way it's the way it's going yeah yeah exactly they almost are becoming week-long events just in themselves right yeah for sure that was kind of the the idea of it though right especially you know some of these other events including the autumn last year right yeah, adding that uh, extra doubles event you're, you're trying to make it into an event yeah 
right? So uh, at least four days uh, of actual tournament play. And who knows, maybe there's like a pro-am or something that's going to start jumping in on a Wednesday or, or just see, see how, how far this thing goes, right? Yeah. Well, we've got like three events going on. You've got the trios, you know, the bakers, you've got the, you know, the team events and that and the actual event. So people are coming out and they're participating in not just the one event, but two or three of them. Mm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Do you think it'll ever get to a point where people start bypassing some of the side events to focus on the main? Yes. I like think I, so. I'm, I'm already considering not playing Friday nights anymore. Yeah. Just because they're, they're, they're going until 3 a.m. and then you're trying to, you know, stay fresh for, for the main <laughs> event. Looks like you're looking for a new teammate in Red Deer Dex. Hashtag loyalty. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> No, no, next year. No. <laughs> <laughs> to to be honest with you, and I, I and I know I know Warren is probably listening. So Warren, this is not a shot towards you. Um, I probably I have my reservations both the trios on on Thursday. Um, just get the lengths of it for me. Yeah. Um, but I, I wouldn't skip until Kerry wanted to. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> good cover. Um, but it just. Just how the format is, I for me personally, not speak on anybody else. I just I feel like if you are in the constellation, it's unless you want to play four more games to try to make some money back, it's kind of it's a long time for that. Um, I also find honestly, when I play the invitational, and if I am lucky to move on to the next round, uh, even playing another nine games that day, it, it actually does you know sort of affect Friday some days if you're tired and and whatnot from the uh, the effect of that. And I know. You're right, Adam, the 3 a.m.s. I know Heritage and us, we have an issue with it. Uh, I think Heritage is an easier fix, um, the same as ours. Well, I just don't think you do the, the stepladder in Heritage. They cut down the time on that one. And I, and I think for us, like we already talked about, we're cutting the game off for sure uh, for the for the doubles. There's no way we can – that's an extra hour, right? And hopefully that – but I agree with you on it. It's tough. But when there's money to be had, like a thousand dollars for first place for doubles, it's it's sometimes fifteen hundred each. Fifteen hundred each. So it's it's kind of tough that way. Um, but I have thought about actually wasn't really interested in playing Red Deer Bakers either because of the length of it, Adam. Right, and because I might have a possibility of playing Saturday morning, but I was asked and I said yes. So, but this I is this is I can where see now, now we have you know. The Friday morning shifts, so and we have the, the Thursday afternoon like shift for us, or Thursday morning shift for us. Um, this is where that comes into play, because that's why I play like the Friday. Because if I if I play the Friday shifts and I play well and I qualify, I have no problem playing the Friday night, because I could sleep the next day if I need to. You know. Yeah, th I think this comes down to personal preference. I don't think the events need to be backed off. They're there. They're doing well. Let Unless the proprietor really is having a problem running the event that late, then yes, I can see it being an issue. But if the players are willing, and they always fill, there should be no issue. It Like Adam yeah. was saying, a person may not want to play in those because they're getting prepared for the next day or something like that. I can definitely see that being the way that some people will go. And I agree with Adam. I think you'll, ha you'll see players just say, you know what, I'm not going to play that. Because it goes too late, and I have to play Saturday morning. But it, it's still going to fill. I don't think you're yep. going to see enough players say, you know what, no, nah, I'm going to get ready for Saturday morning. They're going to be like, you know what, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to go play with the guys I'm playing with. Maybe we'll win some extra cash. I'll play Saturday afternoon. Yeah, and, and you're exactly right because, I mean, you know, we get to see all of our friends from around the country, you know, uh, people you don't get to see very often. And, and that Friday night is really the night to – hang out and yeah. see people and whatnot so yeah. i think the yeah. key is to get those shifts started on time <laughs> yeah it's been eight years greg i'm still having problems with that i know and that is the problem and i get it i mean somehow or another it may be maybe it's a 8 30 start or eight o'clock start or whatever i don't yeah. know but somehow we need to get started earlier to prevent that i mean they're starting an hour late and i'm even red deer i know it takes a long time from the time the games are done to when you start again. There's like five minutes by the time everything gets processed and start up again. And I mean, 45 minutes. I'm 20 games, you know, there's a hundred minutes, there's an hour and a half of where you're just sitting around. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Just keep, let them keep playing. Let them keep yeah. playing. But yeah. it's because of the buys, I think, that are the issue, right? Because they did build it back in. And I think it's, I'm not sure if it's the computer system where you can't start the next one till they're all done. I don't know. But it just seems like we're waiting till everyone's done. And then all of a sudden we start everyone back up again where you could keep going. And the buys make a big difference because, you know, then you got to find people too. Yeah. Yeah. We know where to find them. <laughs> if if the proprietor is looking to offset costs i'm all for it if they need buys they need buys if players don't like it they just won't play in it but it'll still yeah. fill so yeah it's a personal preference i think it comes down to the end agreed um so greg we might as well ask our uh, special guest some special questions Sure. So, so who was your uh, bowling mentor growing growing up there? Um, so I followed, uh, like Don Sim was quite a strong player in Calgary. I grew up in Calgary, bowled in Calgary. And uh, Don Sim was was one of those guys that just just easy to get, easy to talk to, easy to get along with. And always seemed to play really well. You know, he was one of those guys, the, the two Ellard, Ellard boys, you know, Barry and Larry, same thing, just strong players. And what I liked about them is they weren't, at, at that time, I mean, the game was a little different. So there wasn't as much hard thrower. So they were, it was all about the execution and, you know, smooth delivery and that type of thing. Right. Yeah. It was only till like uh, Tom Anderson came from Thunder Bay, moved to Calgary, that he just kind of threw a whole wrench in everything in Calgary when he showed up <laughs> and started hucking it from the out of the arrows and stuff that just blew everyone away. Nobody had seen anyone throw a ball like that. Hmm. But, yeah. yeah. I started, you know, I took it up. I started kind of late. I only bowled one year of YBC. And then just started getting into bowling after that. So there was a few of those players that were, you know, strong, strong players seemed to make the team all the time. Dave Lewis was one of them, you know, just seemed to be a very good, solid players and just really good people. Right. Uh, so why did you get into bowling so late? Were you um, in other sports or? Uh, no, I just never, never really got the opportunity. It was my next door neighbor, a friend of mine across the street that had one of those bring a buddies. He said, do you want to, you want to go bowling? I need to bring a buddy. And I said, sure. So I went and bowled and, uh, and I just really, truly enjoyed it. I did in high, in junior high school, we had house leagues and one of the, uh, house league sports was bowling. And, uh, I had the, I think I won the. High single for grade seven bowler was a 203. Hmm. I, got a, I got that. I got a uh, trophy for that. So that was a, that was a big deal back then. <laughs> uh, was it right-handed or left-handed? Oh, that was right-handed. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just making sure. <laughs> so um, our next question I'm just going to guess it might be the Heartland Bowl no tap tournament. But uh, <laughs> if, if people didn't know, Greg shot 2580 on the weekend at Heartland Bowl. It was no tap, but apparently he was, uh, he was crushing the middle. Um, so he clearly won that tournament. And I think you tied for the handicap side as well. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Unreal mm-hmm. bowling. Yeah. He tied with Michelle Manton for 2701. <laughs> Ow. Yeah. I, I've always, I've always heard it's, it's a slow ball host. So that makes sense. <laughs> well, Greg, Greg was probably playing left-handed. So that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Why don't you, know you play I mean, better, Tim? You guys have always gotten in a groove, and it just—it was just one of those events where it felt really good. I had gone practicing in the uh, in the afternoon, and I'd been throwing the ball, and it you know was feeling okay. And then they turned the global lights on, and I thought, well, I'll just throw some more balls. And I stopped focusing so much on where I was throwing the ball and just throwing it. And all of a sudden, it just felt really good. And I thought, that's what I need to do. I need to just release the ball and just let it go and trust what I was doing. And of course, in a no tap tournament, it's even easier because you're just free wheel because there's no tap, right? Anything on the side and you've got a good chance of, 
of getting it. And I was able to just kind of do that for, you know, the evening. And it just was, uh, just, it just felt really good. And I just hope I can get that feeling again sometime. <laughs> See, I didn't get that memo because uh, I finally got my first no tap in game seven, frame one. So they clearly didn't tell me about it. And I still played all right. So, yeah. Um, yeah you played very well for two no taps. Yeah. <laughs> so, what is your favorite tournament? Uh, it's been Chinook. I like the, I've always liked that format of the eight games in the morning and then the 15 games of match play afterwards. I just like the idea of the round robin. I like the idea of the 50 point bonus system. I like the idea that if you play well in the morning and just so happen that someone doesn't play better than you as far as and knock you out, you shoot 900 and the other guy shoots 920 and then all of a sudden you're, you're out of the event, but you're not getting rewarded for your good play. So that's, I've always liked the, the, uh, the Calgary tournament. And then I think that's part of why the Red Deer tournaments format is mm -hmm. when we came up with a format for that one, we basically bastardized the, uh, the Calgary one and tried to do it, uh, do, you know, similar, similar things for net. Yeah, for sure. So um, for some of our younger listeners, Greg had mentioned Chinook. The Autumn Open used to be played in Chinook, Bolodrome oh, right. in uh, right. Calgary. So yeah. first, um, first 25 years. Yeah. yeah. And then it moved to Toppler Bowl, and then it moved to Paradise Lanes, where it yeah. now resides. Yeah. Um, nice that they kept that format, too. Yeah. 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 I think I, it's a popular one. I think that's a lot of the committees doing. The committees kind of moved along with the tournament, and they – they really push to keep that uh, that format the same. Yeah, and it's nice to have that variety of formats yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And no consolation. <clears throat> well, there is, but for for fortieth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just for cash. Just for cash. I'm a I'm a firm believer in the you make thirty two and it's thirty two. Uh, is me that, too, my friend. Me is, too. Does yeah. that happen to be great? Because you happen to be thirty second a couple times. <laughs> I don't know if that has something to do with it or not. Always, <laughs> I've always felt more that way after it's happened, but, yeah. but I do. I think you know, you go in the event, you say, okay, I want to make the top 32, and that's what it is. And then the consolation is the consolation. Yeah, I uh, just go into the tournament and just hope to make the top 31 now. Yeah. <laughs> the Wolfson. Yeah. yeah. Um, so do you have a, a toughest match or a favorite match of your career? Um, well, I mean, I've had an opportunity to play Bruce a few times and I mean, if, when you're playing, you know, the, one of the better players in the game, it's always fun to play, you know, play them. Cause you know, you're going to have to play well to, to play them. Um, I've had to play against my wife once and that wasn't any fun. <laughs> so that was probably the toughest match I've ever played was against my wife. And Who she won? Won, Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Smart man. Yeah. I never had to play against my son. That would be interesting if you had to play against your yeah. uh, your son or a daughter or something in a match play event. But uh, yeah, no, I, I you know, anytime when you're playing well, you always want to play against the best to put your, your game up against the best players. And I mean, but any really good player at any given time is may not play well that match too. So yeah. you just, uh, you know, you'll take every, every opportunity against every player every time you get, and you hope they're not playing stellar. Cause you want to <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so what's in your arsenal? What, what bowling balls, what bowling shoes? I I have the I just bought new shoes this year, which are the uh, um, the Dexter retros, the Dexter the ones I think they're called the the SST ones, yeah. the retros. Uh, yeah, no, but yeah, they're just called the retros. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just bought a pair of those this year. I had the uh, I had the Dexter, I think sixes before, and I had old Bull Masters before that, but. Uh, I even had the shoes that used to have the little round Velcro plugs in the bottom. <laughs> the lens. The lens. Yeah. yeah. The first one that you could actually interchange the, the slides and stuff on. So, but 
I bat and then I play uh, I play a soft roll, four and seven eights, three eight soft roll. And I, I generally play that ball everywhere. I hardly ever change balls. I more times than not, I contribute it to how I'm throwing the ball and not the ball itself. And and maybe that's old school or maybe it's just pure ignorance or or I'm not sure, but I've just always played the one set and I very rarely do I change bowling balls. I just, change lines, but not balls. Me, me and Dexter will just chalk up the ignorance because there's three of you on this <laughs> podcast that have the same thought process. So. <laughs> Everybody has different thought processes, um, and it depends on the kind of shot you throw. I mean, yeah. Giggy, you, you throw you throw a pretty end over end shot, yeah. um, right? And and so that that eliminates a lot. Whereas you know, if, if somebody's got tons of rotation, yeah. um, th then a ball changes a little bit more helpful at times if you lose a control or whatnot but for you yeah if you can get it rolling with those soft rolls uh you're golden yeah 30. i just like the feel in my hand and yeah. you know, the, just being able to throw the just how it feels yeah. Yeah. yeah 39 national championships i'm going to stick with uh with greg's suggestion there so. national appearances <laughs> he only has oh, nine right. championships too. <laughs> only only nine only. yeah <laughs> Uh, um, so still is, going. I'm hoping it's still going. Yeah, for happen. sure. So that leads me to my next question. Do you have a bucket list item that you still want to accomplish in the game? You know, I mean, for as long as I've been playing the game, I've never won a major event as far as a cash event. So, I mean, if God willing and the stars lined up and I had an opportunity to, to win one of the one of the events, that would be, I think I could almost say, okay, I might hang them up after that, but I wouldn't. I'm sure I wouldn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if I ever got into that position. Yeah, you, you don't you don't break your wrist to learn how to bowl left handed just to quit after winning a tournament. <laughs> well, like that, 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 yeah, that's just not in you. No. Yeah. No, it would uh, it would be nice. That would be wonderful to have that opportunity. So. Perfect. And then one last question. Um, Adam brought this up a few podcasts ago. If you were to pick anybody in the history of bowling, now, past, who would it be to play a match against? That's, uh, that's an excellent question. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely. No, I, you know, I, there's, I probably, you know, I'd love to play a full match against a Stan Black. Okay. Yeah. You know, just because you know, legendary who he was, the games he played, the that type of thing, and just to play a whole match against him when would be, uh, I think it'd be quite something. Awesome. Could be quite a roller coaster. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all emotions, all mind games, like you name it. Yeah. Yeah. He, Very had, old he did school. it all. Yeah. Because if something wasn't working, he would just try something else. Yeah. It was it was almost a, the the bowling was almost irrelevant. It yeah. is what I was hearing. So Yeah, that was it was all part of the whole pass whole parcel, right? Yeah, the whole package. Just okay, well if I can't beat them with my ability, I'm gonna have to find another way to, to beat yeah. them. Yeah. I'm not sure how I'd fare, but I think it'd be interesting. Yeah. Well, if if he starts getting too head, you just switch left hand and you just throw him for a loop. So it's all good. <laughs> uh, so I guess we'll move on to the part where the rest of the country kind of tunes out and doesn't pay attention to our podcast. But Alberta Masters is this coming weekend. <laughs> yes. So uh, I guess what are guys' thoughts? I know three of the guys on the podcast are sitting pretty good. Um, they just need the show up. At Bonnie Dune, you just really got to show up and throw a couple balls down the middle and you'll be shooting 2,200. So how do you feel about this coming weekend, guys? Um, well, th there's there's more people playing than I anticipated. Um, I mean, we, I think we started out the season with 39, 38 players, 39, 40, maybe 40 uh, overall for the tournament division. And we have 36, or sorry, 34 playing this weekend still. Um which I, I'm a little surprised about, but I think it's great. Um, the support is definitely there. 
Um, I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that it is playing a Bonadier and Shared Bark the last two. Both houses can definitely score. Uh, so, I mean, there's there's people that, you know, and, and then we had our central our central uh, set where um, one person, for the men anyways, one person out of everybody has one keeper from that weekend. So, um, oh, hey, it, hey, I got a keeper out of that weekend. I'm not, I'm not counting person. a 1950 counting as a, as a I shot 2050 at Red Deer. Thank uh, you very much. My, <laughs> That's All right. a keeper. So our definitions of keepers are a little bit different. Um. <laughs> That's my highest tournament out of the four. It has to be a keeper. So I don't understand your definition. I, my, my I, I, I think Wilson went in back-to-back and getting two 25-pointers are uh, huge for him too. Yeah, he's he's the guy for sure. I, I mean, he's definitely keeping the singles points, but he won the first tournament of 2020, right? Yep. That that doesn't that doesn't help him towards the the pinfall for the team. That helps him towards singles points for sure, but pinfall towards the team. That that yeah, his 2100 on Sunday that he'll keep that That's one for sure. Big. Yeah, that's really big. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it it should be interesting. Um, there should be lots of good scores. Uh, I, I know we do have some people that, you know, like, you know, best two are sitting at 40, you know, just over 4,000 or, or 4,100 and, and lots of people are them playing because, you know, you, you, you can definitely shoot a 23, 23 and then put yourself onto a team. So, uh, it should be, there should be some big swings maybe, but we'll see. Might see some players drop out after Saturday as well. Yeah. Maybe. Do you yeah. think, uh, the first tournament being at Bonnie Doon has a little bit since the Alberta Open is going to be there. That's why some of the players are coming up and playing, anyways. I maybe 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 two or three four maybe doesn't hurt. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean it, you're right, it doesn't hurt, but I I don't based on the people that I'm looking at it, I don't I don't really think so. They're just gamers. Yeah, they're there to support the Masters. Support yeah. you guys going to Nationals, right? Well, the the Hoping. two of them are sitting pretty good. I, I still have to have at least a decent tournament somewhere in there, but yeah. You mean a mediocre Bonnie Doon tournament? Yeah, one of those. <laughs> um, I, already, so... I already did one of those. Don't do that. <laughs> you missed the Open team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, also, the seniors and the teaching masters also have their provincial finals this weekend, so those teams will be decided, obviously. Um, Greg, I know you happen to be going to Palm Springs, but are you putting your name in the coach? Or... I am. You are. For the senior division. <laughs> <laughs> Just the one? I, I never thought of the tournament division. I was only thinking of the senior division. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, are we not friends? Well, you guys, <laughs> you guys have some good, good coaches, some good people putting their names in for coaches, and you've got a good rapport with lots of those. Greg, on on that uh, open gold list and open masters list, <laughs> I do believe you had three coaching golds, so <laughs> and, you may and have something to do team. with it. Yeah, Greg, really I have teams. never had an opportunity to have you coach or be on a team or anything like that, and really, masters is the only the only chance that we have for that. You don't have to listen to his violin, Greg. If you the, don't want to coach them, you the, don't have to. The closest thing I've had for you as being a teammate was Tough Mudder. <laughs> I, I, that was an experience. Oh, well, we we lived. Uh, Apparently. You were, I was concerned about you for a while. Oh, me too. And, uh, <laughs> but, well, I didn't uh, know we were going to actually do some running in that. Oh yeah, no, no. My our, my body was body was shut down. There was there there was no running on that thing, yeah. Or running up the hills where it was like a treadmill because you you couldn't get traction. Um, but yeah, no, you, you should you should consider throwing a name in Southern. Okay, thank you. Just a thought. Yeah. Excellent. I don't know. Me, Carrie had one opportunity. Yeah. Thank God I got another one at the Open where he, Greg Finley's coaching came through. It uh, really. Well, I did, we had three of the top five averages in the tournament in Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> for yeah. fourth. 
Eesh. Or, yeah. Oh, that's the tough thing. About, is, that's the tough thing about Masters, right? It's yeah. close. I think going into the final match, we take seven, win gold. We took yeah. two and came fourth. Yeah. Exactly. Crazy, crazy swing. That was one of the closer years than I've ever seen at the Masters. Typically, yeah. two teams will run away with it, but that year there were four teams right in tight. Yeah, that was a that was a crazy finish. All I remember is I was I think I was leading off that team. I was playing against Jeff Young that final match, and he shot three sixty to my three thirty. And I can't believe I keep having him on the podcast. That guy's a jerk. <laughs> so it was your fault. Yeah, clearly my three thirty wasn't good enough for the team. Yeah, way to be a did leader. You, did that you, was did that you coaching. T- I didn't line up, put the lineup in right. Did you take your point? No. Hey, we needed we needed points. Yeah, we needed seven of them. Mine was a loss. Clearly, what happened to the rest of you? I don't know. I probably lost. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so do we have time for one last topic. Does anybody got anything? Well, I got a couple additional questions for for Mister Giggy here. Perfect. Because um, we, we we had uh, you know Bruce on a little while back too. We uh, we asked him his experience with uh, the Gallagher Cup. And uh, the the captaincy and all that, and so I wanted to get uh, uh, your take on on that whole experience, and uh, as well as you know being a commentator uh, or a guest commentator a few times there for the uh, Tour Championship. Yeah, it's it's just an honor for me personally to be involved in the game to that extent, and coaching, being involved with you guys because I'm not competitive like I used to be to be involved and just to share those experiences with you guys i i get such a charge out of that the commentary i mean it's just fun i mean it's for me i'm just trying to trying to keep gino from <laughs> talking about gino and <laughs> okay oh by the way the three friends went by we should talk about the match here but it's, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's fun to it's fun to be part of part of anything to do with bowling at this point the Gallagher's Cup. I, I love the idea of it. I love the the fact that people would come out from Winnipeg just to participate in that. I think that says a lot for what it meant to them to just have an invite to come out and, and participate. And I think everybody felt really welcome with uh, the way you guys uh, set up the, the, the games and that type of stuff. And I know that was the first time at it and you've got some probably already got some things in the works to change it up a bit and and that type of thing but yeah no it's it's good i mean it, it says so much for uh for what you guys are doing with this whole the tour and uh and getting the bowlers uh involved in what's happening in the game yeah it's it's definitely uh, i've probably said a million times it's adding something to the sport or back to the bowlers something different something that's not monotonous and adding like players across Canada can all of a sudden play on a team together that would never have that opportunity. Yeah. And I think that was, that was the main point of it. Cause yeah. you have Sean Langlois playing Johnny McDonald, like these guys, there's no chance they would ever play on a team or anything like that together. So it was, it was pretty cool to get that experience. Yeah. And the fact that we won probably helped. Yeah. <clears throat> Yep, Champs. you better believe it. Tim, I whooped you. I don't even talk anymore. Let's move on. <laughs> you know what? Greg was a very positive coach. He was he was really good for us. I'm you glad, you needed the positivity. <laughs> Everyone's looking around at you in your skin-tight shirt. You needed all the positivity you could get. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, Greg, what what uh, what kind of went through your mind during the whole selection process and and uh, you know putting matches together and and stuff like that? Or was it a a, a a formal process? Was it just you know have some fun? <laughs> like what what was the whole background of it? I think uh, the way when I looked at it, it was basically get as many as many bowlers involved so that as many of the bowlers are playing as much as possible. And then have a little fun with the, uh, you know, the Tim and Dexter against the two Tiger boys. That was kind yeah. of, a, you know, just a, for a simple fun event of that, that nature and that. But it was just more, you know, who, again, I used kind of the way I coach. I, 
who bowls well with each other, who I think would feed off each other and that type of thing. And then just make sure that, you know, everyone got an opportunity to, uh, to get in and play and show what they could do. Awesome. Yeah. Hence why you put Tim up against me, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I got unlucky at the end. Yeah. yeah tough break. Good. Yeah. I, I took a buck off my nemesis. I'm happy. Yeah, Mr. Baird. <laughs> yeah. It was nice to see the people come out and watch as well. Yeah, there was the a good People crowd. are getting a lot out of that. It was good to have the colonel there to hand out the trophy at the end too. So, Yeah, and what an honor for him, right? To have that named after him. There's, a, like I said, one gentleman that does so much for the game. A lot of it is in the background, but does a lot for the game and just really, truly loves it. Right? Yeah. Yeah, he's... So around for a long time. Um, like I said, probably said a million times, that's the gentleman. He he led me some down some dark paths, but <laughs> definitely the man that left me... Uh, <laughs> Left me with the best image for bowling, for sure. He, yeah. he was all about it. Um, and obviously, still to this day, still supporting the tour, even though his center is not big enough to host any part of it. And then he has his annual Heartland Bowl tournament that uh, a lot of us try to attend to help support him. Um, one, one of the best people in bowling, for sure. Well, and I, you know what? I honestly like the fact that we've moved the Stettners and the olds into the rotation for the for the masters for the term masters i know he he loves the idea of having the tournament masters come out and play in his center yeah. yep and he we did the central open that way too this year and he he definitely enjoyed having one day of the whole open out there even though it was a long day he still enjoyed it yeah well, and he was so stressed out before it too yeah <laughs> yeah I, I talked to him on the phone twice a day for a week before that because he had one machine that was all <laughs> acted up on him. So at least I'm glad it went well for him. Yeah, without a hitch. It's nice to, nice to, like I said, give that those proprietors those opportunities for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Any other topics? We got a couple minutes. What do you uh, miss about the competitive scene, Greg? What's that? What do you miss most about the like the Uber competitive scene? Um, just I just being involved in it. I mean the the thrill of the hunt, right? The being six games into an eight game qualifier and know you need to shoot five thirty and you know that type of thing. It's just the just the drive that it gets the you know where you have to really buckle down and just really bear down for those last. It could be three frames or it could be the last eight, ten, you know, ten type frames. I miss that. I miss I miss the because I've got eighteen hundred by then or I've got sixteen hundred by then. I'm not really gonna be I need a mere miracle type thing. So I like the I would like to be the have the consistency that I once had. Which as I, I contribute that to getting older, but you know. It's as much a mental thing as it is anything else, too, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm getting there too. Yeah, it's just it just becomes tougher and tougher every single year, right? Yeah, it really does. Yeah, well, and you have to you have to really want it, right? You have to say, okay, I've I've got to figure out a way of doing this, and. You know, when you've been doing it for a long time and you're not having much success, it's hard to hard to get up for to do what you think you need to do to get to that point, right? Oh, Greg, you got him wrong. He's on the top of the sport and he's getting sick and tired of it. Yeah, it gets old after yeah. a while if you keep winning. No, no, <laughs> oh, no, oh, oh, no, no. I get sick and tired of league. That's it. <laughs> no, no, it 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 becomes a a, a tougher grind. You got to find new and kind of, you know, proactive ways to try to stay either relevant or stay, stay near, at least near the top of your game. Cause it, the consistency factor will not be the same year over year, mm -hmm. uh, but you do have to find other ways. Right. So, yeah. and a lot of it's, a lot of it's mental. Absolutely. Quite, quite, quite frankly. So, you know, you, you can do little minor tweaks here or there. You can change a ball if you need to, like you can do all those little things, but uh, you got to find a way to just stay, you know, 
eight, eight or nine out of 10 on the middle rather than six or seven, yeah. right? Like you, you got to find that way to get that extra shot a game just to, to stay up there. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes it's just that one more shot on the side of the head pin, right? As compared to head pin and that type of thing, right? Won a game and it makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, sir. Well, I think we're going to wrap this one up. Greg, we couldn't thank you enough for joining us. Um, I hope you have fun down in Palm Springs. Yeah. Don't get bitten by too many mosquitoes and stay away from the coronavirus. Absolutely. <laughs> Unless you got a little lime. Get some get some lime down there. Yeah. Good luck this weekend, all you guys, for in the Masters. Thanks, thank Greg. You. Yeah. I expect your email. And uh, thanks. <laughs> thanks for... Uh, Thanks for inviting me to take part in this. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Always a pleasant chat with you. Thanks a ton, Greg. Thanks, Greg.